0: my blood pressure's under control, everything's going fantastically well, and in 2 it's amazing what God can do in three weeks, yes? And in three weeks, we went from not having enough money to purchase our section to purchasing our section. I want to tell you, you have to understand something. Prayer and fasting is not just a nice idea, it's not just something that we should do, but you have to understand something. Unless you're prepared to win the battle in the spirit, you'll never win it in the natural. The reason why some of you struggle so much in the natural is because you've never won it in the spiritual. You don't pray, you don't fast, you don't do the things that you need to do to break things in the spirit realm. Because you think that you're a human being, an earthly being that has spiritual moments, but you need to understand, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in my message, you need to understand that you're a spiritual being that has earthly moments. Not an earthly being that has spiritual moments, you're created in the image of God. God is spirit, you're spirit man and woman. And you're more spiritual than you are natural. And so you have to understand that if you want to break through in the natural, you've got to break through in the spiritual first. And I really want to encourage you, if you had breakthroughs in the last three weeks, we'd love to know that. There's there's even in the seat pocket in front of you, there's a prayer and praise card. And we'd love to know what it is that God did for you in the last three weeks. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't had breakthrough, then make sure that you keep prayer and keep um, uh, fasting as part of what you do so that you can see God break through for you—is that all right? Yeah. All right, you're right this morning. Hey, um, before I get into it this morning, um, I'm actually talking about sex this morning. I know you're all like got that look, and uh, we're gonna get into it in a minute. But I'm just letting you know because if you have kids in here that you don't want to hear this, it's PG 13. Then there are programs for them. All right. So don't don't come to me afterwards and say, I, I didn't really like that because my kid was sitting in there. We have programs for your kids, but we're going to talk about sex this morning because uh, we're doing a spiritual strongholds series. And one of the strongholds in our worlds that we talked about last week was addictions. Yeah? yeah. Yes? Yeah. We all add, what's an addiction? An addiction is something that you can't live without. Okay? So it's something that you can't live without is an addiction. And uh, this morning we're going to talk about sexual strongholds but before we get into that let me uh, lay down the scripture that we've been looking at for the last couple of weeks it's in second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 to 5 I know some of you are feeling really uncomfortable now because we're going to talk about sex but you honestly just stay with me for a moment you will get over yourself and we will get into this and God will set you free from things all right okay don't, don't go all quiet on me and don't all look like sheepish with me. We're going to be honest this morning and we're going to look at what the scripture says because we have a world that's too bound up in sexual issues. And if we don't address it as the church, the world will address it. And we all know what the world will say. And that's just going to put people into more bondage. Some of you are in bondage because of your past sexual experiences. And the thing is, is God doesn't want you to live in bondage. God wants you to live free. Yeah, come on. All right. All right. You'll believe me by the end of this morning. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 says, For though we live in the world, what? We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Everyone say strongholds. We demolish. Who demolishes? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It's a really important thing to understand when it comes to strongholds in our world, is that we have been given the power to demolish them. We are the ones that demolish the arguments and the pretensions, the pretendings, the lies that we believe, and we take captive the thoughts. We have to be involved in this. We have to do this. We have to be part of it. God gives us the weapons but we have to do it, yeah? We have to engage in that. What's a stronghold? A stronghold is simply this, it means a prisoner locked by deception or living a life by something that's not true. And so, so many people are living lives in strongholds of things that just aren't true because a teacher said to you when you were younger, you're dumb and you'll never achieve anything and so you spent your whole life believing that you're dumb and you'll never achieve anything and it's just not true, that's a lie. It's a stronghold that you're been bound up in. Or, or I can't do anything in life because my dad was an alcoholic and so therefore I have no hope in life. Well, no, that's a lie. Just because your dad was an alcoholic doesn't mean that you have to be. Doesn't mean that you have to struggle with those things. Come on, are you with me this morning? It's Stronghold is, is when you live by something that's just not true. And we have to understand that God's word says that he has plans for us before we were even born before we even formed in our mother's womb, before we were even a twinkle in our daddy's eye, God had a plan for your life and his plan was for good and for you to prosper and to be in health. And so anything that doesn't bring that about in your world is a lie that you've believed and it creates a stronghold that you need to break out of. And uh, the Bible is really clear about breaking out and how we break out. And Jesus said, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me Cause he's called me to preach the gospel uh, of the good news but also to what to set the captives free that's what he does you know i was thinking about that this morning uh, god god doesn't god is salvation god is deliverance god is freedom god is grace god is it's not something that he does it's who he is when he rocks up into your world he brings love grace mercy deliverance breakthrough salvation He brings it all with him because that's who he is. It's not something that he does, it's who he is. God doesn't do love, God is love. God doesn't do mercy, God is mercy. Are you with me this morning? And that's a really exciting thing because what it says is this, is that Jesus only ever got upset with the hypocrites, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious people of the day who wore a mask and pretended like they were perfect when in reality they were just sinners. But when it came to the sinners, Jesus always embraced the sinner. Jesus opposed the poser, but he always embraced the sinner. And the great thing about this this morning, as I talk about this, is that so often we, we put up a pose in regards to the sexual things that are happening in our world. And, and when you put on a mask and act like you're all okay, God opposes that. But if we could just come this morning and go, you know what, I'm a sinner, and I've got this stuff I've got to deal with, God embraces that. Are you with me this morning? I don't want you to feel judged. And I want you to feel condemned because that's not what Jesus came to do. But he came to set us free. But we have to talk about this stuff because the reality is, I know this makes some of you nervous, but the reality is, is our sexuality is under assault. You just have to turn on the TV and watch the news to see that sexuality or sex is under assault. The media are talking about it all the time. And here's the thing. It destroys people's lives because it's been done outside of the parameters that God established it to be done in. And the problem with the church traditionally is the church has always been silent about this stuff. We don't really talk about it. But my Bible says that as we get towards the end, that the assault becomes worse. My Bible says that towards the end, it becomes like the days of Noah and Lot where sexual sin was out of control. And so we have to understand we're under assault. We're under assault, friend. You just have to drive past billboards to see that we're under assault. Sexuality and sex is constantly in our faces. And and so we have to talk about this in church. Why? Because how can we rescue people out of their sexual sin if the church won't talk about it? If the church won't talk about these things, how are people going to be rescued? Because if we don't give them the answers, the world will. And the world's answers are not good answers. You know, we live in a fallen world and we all live in fallenness. And fallenness is bad, but the problem is the church has made some fallenness seem worse than others. Yeah, we're trying to be free from the enemy's work in our lives, but we need to understand something, that we're all in this hospital together. We're all in a spiritual hospital where God is doing stuff in all of our worlds and And let me just say this, because I really want to break this whole stigma that there is in regards to sex. And the first thing is this, is let me say this, that God created sex, the world did not create sex. The world did not create it, God created it. The problem with the church is when I grew up in the church, my parents talked about it quite openly at home with us as we got older, and I'm so thankful that my parents were able to do that. But you know, I was brought up in the church and the stigma in the church was, is we don't talk about sex because it's like dirty and ugly. So we don't talk about sex because it's dirty and ugly. You save that for the person you love when you get married. We don't talk about sex because it's dirty and ugly. Save the dirty and ugly stuff for the person you love. Can, can you just get on board with me for a minute and see how ridiculous the church has been about this? God created it and the church has put this stigma on it that it's dirty and we shouldn't talk about it, but save that dirty thing until you get married. It's insanity. Can I get an amen this morning? All right, we're on track. It's crazy. God is pro-sex. God created sex. And you cannot experience it to the level that he created it to be outside of his parameters. Outside of the way that he's designed it. And you just have to read the scriptures. If you ever bothered to read the scriptures, you'd see that that you know the scriptures are kind of like PG thirteen, really. You know, in Proverbs five it talks about may your wife, may her breasts always satisfy you. The Bible's not afraid to talk about this kind of subject. It says, May may she always may you always be captivated by her love. That word captivated in the Hebrew means intoxicated, as in drunk on her love. In other words, bow chicky bow wow every time you see her. The Bible's not afraid to talk about these things and so we have to, as the church, we're gonna remove the stigma around this stuff and we're gonna stop letting the world define sex and discover the wonderful things that God has to say about it. Are you with me this morning? Yeah, come on, we we need to do this because otherwise we're gonna grow up in a world and our kids need to know the right ways and not the wrong ways and so we come to Romans chapter 1, verse 21 to 25, and it says this. They knew God, in other words, they were Christians. They knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or give Him thanks. In other words, they knew Him, but they wouldn't give up their life or the way that they wanted to live for Him. They're Christians, they knew Him, but they just wouldn't give up their lives entirely for Him. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. In other words, they started redefining God's standard so it fits their lives. Do you know there's a massive amount of pressure at the moment in the Anglican church for them to accept gay marriage? It's people making up their mind of what God should be like. And as a result, in other words, because people ended up doing it their way, This is the end result of what happens when people do what they think instead of what God thinks. Their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. You see, when we start defining what we think God is saying, we get ourselves into all sorts of trouble. And we live in a world right now that is trying to, and even in the Christian world, is trying to define a new standard for sex. I've heard Christians say this, sex before marriage is okay. That was back then, that was Old Testament. We're in New Testament now. The, the thing that, can I just say this for you this morning, because the thing that I, I think people don't understand is I think when Jesus came and brought grace, that what Jesus did was lower the standard. But Jesus never lowered the standard, Jesus upped the standard. You've heard it said that if you do this, it's adultery, but I'm telling you, if you even look at a woman that way, you've committed, Jesus lifted the standard. Grace doesn't lower your standards, grace increases your standards. Grace is not a backstop in case we sin. Paul said, it's because of grace I do not sin. Are you, I know this is a little bit strong for you this morning, but I'm just trying to set a platform for you because there are some sex lies that we have been told and, and, and we're going to go through those this morning. The first one is this, sex is an animalistic action. What do I mean by that? Well, it's, it's just like the animals, you feel like it, you just do it. If you, if you feel like it, you just, you just go with it. You you should respond to your feelings because your feelings are who you are. How many people know your feelings are not who you are? How many people know your feelings lie to you? Who you are is what God says you are. You're made in the image of God and if I followed my feelings, if I just did whatever I felt like doing, friend, I could not be your pastor. I could not be up here. If I just did whatever I felt like, I could not be on this platform. You just can't follow your urges like animals do because we're not animals. You can't just do whatever you want, it's just, it just doesn't work that way. You know, I was, I was talking to a, a teacher this week who was having a class this year is a little bit tough and when I saw them in the supermarket, they looked, they looked like they were ready to go and sleep for about five years. They just looked absolutely exhausted after a week of their class and I jokingly said to them, you know, if you murdered them, everyone would understand. Now, she may feel like murdering her students, but how many people know that she can't? Yes? You might feel like throttling your kids sometime, but how many people know you can't do that? You can't just do whatever you feel. Sex is not animalistic. It's not based on feelings. It's not based on whatever you feel like doing. The second thing is, oh, sex is just a recreational activity. It's just for fun. You know, it's just a summer fling. Um, No. God created it so that when you have sex, there's a union of soul and spirit between two people. That's why he says the two become one flesh. It's not just fun. It's, it's a union of coming together. It's two people becoming one. It's not just fun. It's a lie. Sex is an isolated event. It's just something that happened in a time frame and, and you know, it just, it just kind of happened. doesn't really matter. No, God designed... This way, that when the two become one flesh, that when, when I make love to my wife, she becomes part of me and I become part of her. You, you, you can't just walk away because a piece of you is gone with that person. And now you're carrying a piece of them, is what the Bible says. I don't know about you, I don't have enough trouble carrying me around without carrying around 50 other people. Are you with me this morning? The world lies and it says whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Um, No, whatever happens in Vegas hollers out your soul and ends up in the counselling room. Fourth thing is this, is sex is just physical. No, it's not. It's not physical, it's spiritual. It's spiritual. Why? Because as I said earlier, you are a spirit being made in the image of God. There's more of your life that is spiritual than you realize. You know, like I said earlier, you're a spiritual being having earthly moments. You're not an earthly being having spiritual moments. Sex is not just physical, it's spiritual. And God did this because he wanted you to enjoy intimacy, true intimacy, but it has to be within the parameters of marriage because outside of those parameters, that kind of true intimacy becomes destructive. Why? Because real love is defined by commitment to a person, not a feeling. Real love is defined by commitment to a person, not a feeling. Because I've been married for 24 years, come May, and I can tell you, not every morning I wake up do I feel like loving my wife. I'll be the honest one here this morning so you guys don't have to be because otherwise you might get the rib elbow. But you know as much as I do that waking up in the morning, you don't always wake up every morning going, oh, I just feel so in love with that person you know, as they're breathing their morning breath upon you. It's just not true. It's a choice that you make that you decide that you're committing yourself to this person, be it rain, hail or snow, whether it be moments of cloud nine and moments of, you're committed to the person, it's not about feelings. Real love is defined by commitment to a person, not a feeling. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians six fifteen 15 to 7, 16, it says this, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? I just want you to think about that for a moment before we get into the second part, part of this scripture. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? In other words, he's saying this, that you are God's house. Your body is where God lives. We know there's another scripture that says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's where he, You're his house. It's where he lives. But there are some things that we do with our bodies that we would never do inside this building. It's gone real quiet now. There are some things that we do in the privacy of our own company that you would never do inside this building. Yet you are the building, the home of God. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two become one flesh. He's saying, man, you you just can't do this. This is God's, you are uniting God with that. Now that I've depressed you, so what do I do? Ah, that's the best part about it. God never leaves you in your sin, yes? Come on, come on, he always saves us. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 to 20 says, this is what you do, flee sexual immorality all other sins a person commits are outside the body but whoever sins sexually sins against your own body do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have received from god you are not your own you are bought with a price therefore honor god with your body so what do we do we flee we flee it says flee Sexual immorality, run from it, get away from it. Whatever you've gotta do, run. We know that Joseph did that, don't we? He ran away from Potiphar, he fled the sexual immorality. Honor the Lord with your bodies. Make sure that whatever you're doing brings honor to God. Make sure that whatever you're doing with your bodies is what you were doing here. Especially if you're single. Make sure that we are honouring God because I believe God wants to set you free from sexual strongholds and any shame or guilt that you have associated with that. And 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3 and then in verse 7 it says this, God wants you to be pure and to keep clear of all sexual sin for God has not called us to be dirty minded and full of lust but to be holy and clean. So, I say all that to say this, I'm about to tell you how you can break sexual strongholds and how God wants to set you free. So before we get into that, I just wanna pray because I can just feel in the atmosphere right now, there's just a really kind of like uncomfortableness And and I'm not bringing this up this morning because I wanna embarrass anyone. In fact, in in the first chapter of Colossians, there's this great scripture that says that God is like an accountant who goes around reconciling your account to make it whole again. And I'm believing that before the end of this morning that your sexuality, your sex side of your life, that God is gonna be like an accountant and he's gonna go out and get all the bits that you've given away to people and he's gonna reconcile you and make you whole again. Because if God can heal cancer, he can give back your virginity. If God can heal uh, people that have broken bones in their legs, God can heal your sexuality. And I so believe that this morning. And I believe that God, what's what God wants. He's not here to condemn you. He's here to show you that you need him to go and reconcile and make you whole again. And so the first, let me just pray for you before we get into this last part. For I pray right now. In Jesus' name, that every principality and power right now that is working against, that is trying to bring shame, that is trying to bring guilt right now, I break every single part of the words that have been said into people's minds. And right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and that you would show us that you love us and that you are for us and you're not here to condemn us, but you're here to set us free and that our minds would shift from trying to hide, from trying to put a pose on to being here I am a sinner and Lord that you would turn and embrace every single one of us in Jesus' name. The first thing that you need to do is make a commitment to God's way. If you've got a sexual strongholds in your world, the first thing that you've got to do is you've got to make a commitment to God's way and to make a commitment to God's way is not about feeling it, it's about choosing it. Okay, it's not about feeling it, it's about choosing it. It's about choosing to do it God's way. I won't let my feelings guide my life. I'm making a choice to trust God that he's got this right, that he knows what he's talking about, and so I'm gonna go back to the creator's instructions in regards to this. I I am going to choose to do it his way because, friend, you need to know that as soon as you turn to his way, God is there to embrace you. God is there to love you. God is not going to judge you or point his finger at you. His arms are open wide. He wants to restore you. Isaiah 118 says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool." What is Jesus saying? He said, Friend, I am here. Turn to me. Come on, let me embrace you. Let me set you free. Let me forgive you of your sin. Let me get this right for you. He is not here to condemn you this morning. God has the ability to restore you and make you feel clean and whole again from the inside. And I believe this morning that for a lot of you, that God wants to and can restore you sexually. I I, I want your life to no longer be defined by what you have done, but be defined by the fact that God's restored you. I want your story to not be what I've done in my past, but your story to be God restored me. God restored me, God restored me. That's the testimony that we want. We don't want the testimony of, your, of the pain from the past. We want a testimony of God's restoration. And I believe that that's what God, when we make a commitment to his way, all God wants to do is embrace us, love us, heal us, see us set free so that we become a testimony of God's restorative power, not our abusive past. Are you with me this morning? God, the restorer, Second Corinthians six seventeen to 18 says, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. And listen to this, and I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. The first thing you've got to do is you're just got to make a commitment to doing it God's way. And that's a choice. It's not a feeling, but you need to understand this. That God's whole purpose in you making that choice is because he wants to restore you, not to condemn you. The second thing is you need to manage your mind. Manage your mind. What do you mean by that, Craig? Well, you've got to work that out for yourself. You've got to work out, how am I going to manage my mind over this? Because your mind is under assault, yes? Be it TV, be it movies, be it whatever. It's just this constant stuff going in. And so we have to... We have to start to manage our mind. The porn industry is the biggest industry in the world today. And the average age of someone now seeing porn, be it male or female, the average age of seeing it for the first time is 10 years of age. At 10 years of age, the average age of someone who first sees porn, whether it be male or female, is 10 years of age, thanks to the internet and these things. You know, if, if you're worried about your kids with their phones and with the internet, you need to come and see Pete. This guy right here on the end here. He has an incredible program an incredible thing, uh, uh, modems and all sorts of stuff which protects not only your kids at home, but it protects them out of home. It protects them on their mobile phones and keeps them safe. You wanna, because there's, there's a lot out there that you can download for free, but there's all sorts of ways in and around them Okay, trust me, you need something decent, you need to go and see Pete, he'll get it set up for you, you won't regret it, um, because it's just, your kids are going to see it whether they're looking for it or not, because it just comes up all the time. And if you're struggling with porn here this morning, then friend, we are not here to wave our finger at you, we're not here to point the finger at you, we're not here to condemn you. I just wanna say this, I had a porn problem from 16 to 18 years of age, and somebody took time out not to judge me, but to love me and help me walk through that and get free from that, and we're the same here. There's nobody, if anybody here judges you because you have an issue in the sexual area of your life, then I will take them out the back and I'll introduce them to Jesus, where the Bible says that blows from a spring cleanses away evil. This is not a place of judgment, this is a place of restoration. We have been given, the Bible says, a spirit of reconciliation. It's our job to reconcile people to Jesus, not judge them for what they've done. Are you here with this morning? Because I believe that God wants you to find a way out to freedom. Romans 8, 5 to 6, we've looked at the scripture before, it says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. You've gotta get control of your mind. You've gotta manage your mind. Psalm 101 verse three says, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. In fact, Jesus takes it a step further in the, in the New Testament where he says that your eyes are the window to your soul. What you see gets into your soul. What you look at gets into your soul. And so you have to make this decision. I'm going to think on the things of the Spirit. You've got to learn to manage your mind. How I manage my mind is how I manage it. You might manage it differently. You've got to find what works for you. Maybe what works for you is cancelling your Netflix subscription. Because maybe you just can't handle that. Maybe it's cancelling something else or, or or going to Pete and getting something set up on your home and on your mobile phone so that you're safe, so that you're protecting yourself. There, there are plenty of things out there that we can find where we can help us to, to manage our minds, to get our minds in the right things. What you see and think about absolutely matters. And so you have to find what works for you and learn to manage your mind in this area. You have to work it out. You have to work out what's a problem for me? What's an issue for me? Maybe it's those, those romance novels is an issue for you because you end up fantasizing instead of actually having a true sexual relationship with a husband or spouse. Maybe it's the Woman's Weekly Rubbish or Cosmopolitan or whatever those stupid other magazines are. If you put rubbish in, you get rubbish out. Come on, friend. You have to realize I've got to manage my mind. If something's a weakness for me, I have to get control over it. I have to manage it. And the last, the third thing is this, is maintain healthy relationships. The first thing is you've got to make a commitment to God's way. The second thing is you want to get free you've got to manage your mind. The third thing is you've got to maintain healthy relationships. A right, right relationship in this area can, get, can be the key to all of it. It can be the key for you breaking through. 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three says this, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character. So as much as bad company corrupts good character, good character. When you hang around people of good character, it helps you have. I know this is tough this morning. If you hang around people with bad character, you end up with. If you hang up with people with good character, you end up with. There we go. It's brilliant. You're so good this morning. So you want to recruit people that you know, that are of good character, that can watch you and keep an eye on you, that you can be accountable to, and not people that are going to judge you, but people that are going to love you. We want them to speak into your life. You want to be accountable to them, but they speak life into you, Not that they help you, that they'll walk through life together. Make sure they're good people. Good people will become your protective ally. You know, Trinity is my absolutely protective ally. I used to travel before I passed it. I used to travel every second week somewhere in New Zealand, Australia, or Asia. And I'd be away all the time, traveling on my own, working all sorts of hours. She was my protective ally. Every time a thought came into my head about looking at something I shouldn't look at, the first time I ever spoke to her about it, I was worried she was going to go ah! over the phone at me. Wives, can I help you out here a little bit? If your husband struggles in this area and when he talks to you about it, you freak out on him, he's not gonna talk to you about it. You you gotta put your big girl pants on and suck it up because he's trying to be honest with you because he wants you to be his ally, not his judgment. And so I know whenever I even have a thought about porn that comes into my head, And the crazy thing is, I haven't thought about it for ages until I started putting this message together, hello. Funny, you're going to talk about sexual stuff and then all of a sudden the enemy comes with sexual thoughts? Not, doesn't take a brain surgeon to understand what's obviously going on here. So instead of trying to make my way through the week, I tell her, this is what's happened. We pray together. You know what, the whole thing just lifts, Why? Because uh, my mum my used to say this a problem shared is a problem halved. But when I share it with an ally who prays for me, then I'm protected. Come on, are you with me this morning? Please don't freak out on your husbands. Just love them, help them. You know? And guys, don't be so stubborn and pig headed. You don't find someone that you can talk to about. This stuff destroys your life. And you need to talk about it. This is why connect groups are so important. Because in a connect group, you can find an ally. You can find somebody that you can talk to that will help you win, help you win. This is what it's all about, friend. You need healthy relationships that help you win. That help you win. Listen to this, James 5.16 And the message version says this, make this your common practice. Your common practice. Make this your common practice. Make this your common, is this getting through? Common practice. Common practice as in common practice as in regular practice, as in do this all the time, practice your common practice, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live whole and healed, make this your common practice, that you confess your sins to one another, someone that you can trust so that you can pray together and be whole and healed. You confess to him for forgiveness, but we confess to one another for healing. Come on, friend, we've just got to make this our common practice. We've got to take the facade off. We've got to take the mask off. We've got to be honest with somebody that we can trust that's going to pray with us so that we can be healed and whole again. Make this your common practice. make this your regular practice you 're not saying um, if you want to understand um, the, I need you to understand that that you 're not being delivered from something but god 's trying to deliver you to something he 's not delivering you so much from from the sexual stronghold he's trying to deliver you into something, he's trying to deliver you into his plans and his purposes. You're not just saying no to that, you're actually saying yes to a better life. You're saying yes to a better relationship. You're saying yes to a better marriage. You're saying yes to a better relationship. what you, You're not saying no to something, you're saying yes to what is better and ahead of you. And there are two things that keep me uh, I'm pursuing uh, a cleanliness and, and pursuing the purity in this area, there's two things that absolutely help me. The first one is obviously my family. My family, I, I don't know about you, but the idea that I don't deal with this stuff in my life and that I could lose my wife and my kids, it, it, I, I never want that to happen. I, I, don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to risk my family over 15 minutes of lust. I don't want to risk my family. And then the other thing that keeps me pure is you guys. Because Sunday keeps coming around and I have to get up here and preach. And so when I don't feel like reading my Bible, you guys help me to read my Bible. When, when, when thoughts come into my head that, that would cause me to compromise, it's not just my family, but you guys help me to stay pure. Because I have a purpose. And my purpose is, is that I want to help you to become pure and I want to help you to break through and I'm not God but I would like to think that God can give me something that I can give you that helps you to break through and so that helps me to stay because I want every single person in this place to be free from anything that would bind them up in this area. I, I've experienced it, I know what it's like and I don't want anybody else to suffer that And I believe if all of us had a purpose and a meaning to our lives and we had people that were counting on us, all of a sudden the ability to keep ourselves pure and to keep ourselves on the right track just makes to me, just makes it that much easier. When when thoughts come into my head, the first thing is is I don't want to lose my family, and the second thing is I don't want to lose my church. It helps me because I have a purpose and I have a meaning. Your first thought that should come into your head is you don't want to lose your family. You don't want to lose what God has planned for you. And so the fourth and the last thing I want to say this morning is the first thing is this, is you need to choose God's way. Second thing, you've got to manage your mind. Third thing, you need healthy relationships. But the fourth thing is, is magnify God's plan for your life. Magnify His plan. Magnify it. It, make it so big. make it such a central point of your life that it is so important to you, it is so huge to you. Why would you ever give up that for that? It, it makes it so much easier to let go of that when I've got that ahead of me. When I've got that ahead of me. 2 Corinthians 7, one in the message says this, I love this. With promises like this, to pull us on with promises of what God has for my life to pull me onwards towards it. The promise that is so great that pulls me away From the temptation, I just can't help myself because what God wants to do in my life is so magnified. It pulls me towards His promises. His promise for me to have a great marriage pulls me towards Him. His promise that I'm gonna have great relationships pulls me towards Him. The promise that if I can keep myself pure and holy until my wedding day, I'm gonna have a great sexual relationship with my husband or wife, that promise pulls me towards Him. The promise is so great, the plan for God's life is so huge that it pulls me towards him, pulls us on dear friends, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without and let us make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. In other words, I'm gonna magnify God's plan for my life and God's promises for my life so big that it pulls me towards Him. And it pulls me away from anything that would defile or distract because I've magnified God's plan so big that everything else is so small in retrospect, that everything else is so easy to give up because His promises are so big and it pulls me towards Him and it pulls me away from those things that would try to defile and destroy and then I'm fit and I'm holy to be the temple of His promises, the temple of His power, the temple of His anointing, the temple of His salvation, the temple of His healing, the temple of His faith, the temple of his blessing, the temple of his mercy and his grace. And when I understand those promises, it pulls me towards him and away from those things that have distracted and defiled me. And I believe that everything we've talked about today is the devil's plan to distract you from the life that you've never dreamed that you could have. And I believe there are people here this morning that you have stuff from your past that has so controlled you. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you would magnify him, if you would choose his way, manage your mind, get some healthy relationships, but, but the most important thing, you would magnify him. Magnify his plans, that as you understand what he's promised you, as you understand the life that he has planned for you, it will pull you towards him and help you to leave the stuff behind. But I also believe that he wants to go and reconcile as well. That he wants to go and find all those bits that you gave away and make you whole again. And so can I just have every eye closed, every eye closed. I don't want anybody looking around. No one looking around, please. Can we just, can we just not do that today? Let's show some, some grace towards people. If you're here this morning while well, nobody's looking, and you're like, man, I need God. I need God to reconcile me because there's been some stuff, there's been some soul ties that I've had in my past, and, and I want God to break those soul ties, and I want God to reconcile me. I want to be whole again. I, I've had relationships with people that have just hollowed me out, and I want to be whole again. I want, I want the promises of God to pull me towards Him, uh, Craig, I really would love it if you'd pray with me this morning that, that God would make me whole again. You know what? I'm not gonna talk to you about it afterwards. I just wanna pray for you about it now. If you wanna talk to me about it afterwards, I'm more than happy to make a time for you to come and see me or a time for us to catch up and we can talk about it. But I believe this. I believe that you don't need to so much talk about it. You just need to ask God to reconcile you. to make you whole again. If you're here this morning when nobody is looking around, I want to ask you this morning if you'd be bold enough to raise your hand in a moment and say, could you pray for me that God would reconcile me, that God would reconcile, bring all those bits back and make me holy? And I want to be whole sexually from this day onwards. If that's you this morning and you're like, man, I, I really could do with you Praying for me over that while no one's looking. If you just put up your hand as soon as I see it, I'll ask you to put it down. Thank you, you can put your hand down. Thank you, thank you. Anybody else this morning? Thank you, thank you. Anybody else this morning? I mean, I just need God to reconcile me, to put me back together again. Is there anybody else here this morning? Thank you. Is there anybody else? I need God's plan magnified so much that it pulls me out of my past and into my future. Alright, let's pray right now. If you're a Christian in this place and you didn't put your hand up, then you need to be praying for these guys. Because remember this is spiritual. This is not this is not physical, this is spiritual. And we need to break through in the spirit for these guys so that they can live whole in the natural. So let's pray together this morning. Father I thank you so much. Lord, that you came into this world not to condemn it, but to save it. It's what you do, you save. You save and you deliver. God, you restore, it's what you do, it's who you're about. God, you're not here to point fingers this morning. You're not here to wave fingers this morning. You're not here to judge this morning. You committed to us that if we would turn to you and say, God, I'm a sinner, that you would embrace us, that you would love us, that you would restore us, that you would make us whole again. And so I prophesy over every single person that raised their hands this morning, that all the pieces of them that they've given away through their lifetime, right now, Holy Spirit, go out and reconcile, get all their bits back, get all the part of them that they've given away, that the enemy has stolen and bring it back to them, that they'll be whole again, that their relationship from now on in their marriage will be so much richer than it's ever been before. God, for those that are single, God, that they'll feel so whole again, God, that they'll know that you've restored them and that you've made them whole again, that they don't have to worry about their future because God has restored me. God, I pray right now that you would magnify in their lives the plans that you have, that the promises would pull them towards all the great things that you have, that they will be able to leave behind the past and the guilt and the shame and the things that have defiled them and that they'll be pulled into the promises of God this morning, into all the great things that he has planned and they'll be able to look back back on this day in March 2018 and know God changed my life. God reconciled me, God healed me, God restored me. And I have what I have today because of that day when God saved me and God restored me and God made me whole again. And I have the great marriage I have today because God made me whole again because that's what God does. He sets the captives free. He binds up the brokenhearted. It's who he is, it's what he does. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and breathe right now upon each and every person. They raise their hand and do what you do and restore and restore and deliver in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, when He was standing to you.